we're all divine in nature and we are these direct channels to the same source energy, the universal life force. Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fam podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I am your host, my name is Carolina, and I'm the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the universe. Today on the show, we have Tara Tigress, the intuitive energy healer and the spiral practitioner. Welcome to the show, Tara. How are you doing? Hi, Carolina. Thank you so much for having me. I'm wonderful. This is an honor to be here with you today. I am so excited to talk to you because our profession is very similar. We love shadow work. We love alchemizing the darkness into the light. So it's just so exciting for me to uh, to talk to you because, yeah, I just love to dive into these topics because uh, I know that you're, you know, doing the inner alchemy uh, of the shadow and light. And that's what really my passion is as well, to guide people through this. So um, I would love to ask, though, at first, like, how did you get to this work that you're doing did you feel like at some point that it's your mission did you also reprogram a lot of your uh, inner you know darkness into the light how did it start for you can you share a little story please yeah absolutely so i began my journey as a space holder um, as someone who facilitates experiences for other people through reiki healing actually so that's where the energy healing um, comes into play so I began the journey being a Reiki healer, and now I also teach Reiki as well. And at that point, I had not really necessarily gone into the shadow work or shadow integration. I was working with a lot of, you know, like the upper chakras, celestial energy, cosmic energies, which is so beautiful and a part of who I am innately. And then I found in my personal journey how I thought I had figured it all out just with really like focusing in on like this connection to source and angels and galactics and all of these things. And then my life started unfolding in a way where I noticed a lot of patterns were repeating themselves in my own personal life through relationships. And that's whenever I had to start looking deeper within and to go into the shadow and sort of bring balance to all of the light energy I was working with and also bringing it back home to my inner shadow. So really it began as a quest for my own personal journey because I had not really integrated my shadow at the time. And so my work has evolved now from the energy work and I still do energy work. It is so deeply important. And the shadow work is energy work, of course, as well. Um, but I would say that the shadow integration came after I realized I have these patterns and I need to get to the bottom of them and how to really work with it uh, in a way that allows me to find um, like my inner jewel in the lotus. <laughs> oh, yes, I can really relate to that because my story yes. was actually quite similar. Uh, I started from energy work just because when I started my spiritual development, um, I started from a mushroom experience, but then straight afterwards there was fasting. And so it's pretty interesting. And I would really love to share this uh, part of the story with you, although I might have mentioned it already on the podcast, mm -hmm. that when I was fasting, 
after the third or fourth day of dry fast, when I was meditating in the morning, I actually felt this energy from source coming through my crown and mm. all over my body. And I kind of felt like I got access to this energy. And then afterwards, maybe like fast forward mm. three years or so, I did the Reiki training as well. And they were saying how uh, Usui, right? He was also uh, doing the fasting. And then this is how he, he received energy, but he also received these symbols to share it with other people. And I was like, wow, I've been doing Reiki, you know, for all these years, not knowing that it's called Reiki because it's, I mean, however you want to call it, whether you call it prana, whether you call it Reiki, sure. uh, everyone can, in my view at least, and I'm curious about your opinion, anyone can get access to this energy and it's just about the Absolutely. path of how you get it there, right? Because for me, it was through fasting. I could feel that I can accumulate it in my heart and pass it to the other person through that. Mm -hmm. And I discovered it just because I was uh, dry fasting, but I I feel like anyone has mm. these abilities uh, that are inside of us, right? So my question to you is like, do you Absolutely. feel like attunement in terms of like Reiki attunement is necessary or do you feel like it's just one of the paths mm. of how you can get to do the energy healing? Mm. That's a really good question. Um, honestly, from my personal preference, I believe that anyone has access to Reiki is love. So if anyone has the intention to send healing love through prayer or through their physical touch to somebody else who's in pain or to themselves, like we can all do that with pure intention. We're all divine in nature and we are these direct channels to the same source energy, the universal life force. Um, I would say that from the traditional Reiki lens, the only difference between someone who has an attunement and someone who's just using love as their vehicle for, for healing is that with Reiki, you um, are calling upon this lineage and you're working with these symbols. And so when you become this channel, it's not like you're giving um, energy through you. Like I'm, when I do a Reiki session, I'm not giving energy from me. You're just the vehicle and the empty vessel for Reiki to come through you. So from the traditional lens, people would say that if you're just sending Reiki without an attunement, you could potentially exhaust yourself by giving so much energy from your own life force, even with the purest, most beautiful intentions, it could end up being exhausting. Um, but with Reiki, because you're attuned through um, the ceremony, through these rituals, through having being a carrier of these symbols, you're not necessarily exerting any of your energy. You're just the channel for Reiki energy itself to come through. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand this perspective, although I just want to question it just for the curiosity mm -hmm. of exploration. Yes, right? let's because, do it. Because I feel like if yes. we open our higher chakras and we just work with the chakras themselves, right? And we work with all these meditations to open the channels within, then I feel like you don't need to use your own energy to channel to someone. You can just kind of mm. like inhale it from the source and, and for this energy to go through your heart and yes. from your heart to your hands. So you don't necessarily need to like um attune yourself per se i mean I, I from my perspective it's like if you had have attunement it's kind of like a shortcut because it's kind of like yeah, uh, these is. channels are kind of just like open through the attunement because i believe that if 
there is a thought form of Reiki, right? And mm-hmm. so many people have mm-hmm. used these symbols specifically. Then they give it power in a, in in the same way as people mm-hmm. give power to Buddha as a thought form or Jesus as a thought form, mm-hmm. like as the energy accumulated collective consciousness has given the power in a way to these symbols. And therefore, I believe that if more and more people use these symbols, they become in a way more powerful because these people believe in the symbols, right? So I believe that I, symbols are like exactly. a shortcut, like, a, you know, a straight to the point, straight to the open channel through. But I also believe that if you open your chakras and you clear your energy and you open the channel through visualization, meditation, being pure in okay. your intentions, whatever else there, then you can just channel straight the energy from the source without being attuned. That's my personal perspective. So what do you think about hmm. that? I completely agree with you, Carolina, like in what I share is just kind of the the perspective of what I've learned through the traditional teachings. Mm-hmm. But the way that I see it is that source energy, oneness energy, the way that we um, connect to it here on this plane, this dimension is always through a set of um, filters or subtle energies because unified consciousness is so broad, it's all encompassing. So anytime we work with energy here on earth, it has to go through these filters or or boundaries, you could even call it. So envision like when you're a channel for source energy, it's like you're a prism. And the way that source goes through this prism is going to come through different filters. Like Reiki is one filter of the prism. Sakem Krem is another energy healing that I do that's more Egyptian lineage. So that's a different energy, but we're all working with the same unified consciousness. It's just about which filters are we, are we seeing it through and which filters are we channeling it through? And you bring up the, the symbols. And I think that's exactly the difference because the symbols are just these very subtle energetic vibrational keys that we can use to unlock um, certain energies. And so when you do Reiki and you're familiar with um, what these different symbols embody and what sort of energies they are, then you can be more specific with the person that you're working with. So for example, it's like the Hansho Ji So Nen um, symbol. It's, this is like the symbol of no time, no space, no distance. And so people call it the key for like the Akashic records in a way where one, you can do a remote healing using the Hansho Jiso Nen because you're bypassing just um, phys- physicality. You don't need to be in the room with someone to send them healing. If you're using the symbol, you can send it at a distance. And then also if somebody is working with like a karmic pattern, um, something that's ancestral, a pattern that they've had in their childhood and that's coming up even now and that they've probably been dealing with in lives before, it's the perfect time to use the Hansho Jiso Nen because then that's the key to access their Akasha and to sort of reprogram the pattern from this wider lens, if that all makes sense. But I completely agree that these are all just, you know, like minute details and that at the end of the day, whether or not someone has an attunement, you can be a healing source for yourself and for others. Mm-hmm. I love what what you're saying and uh, I resonate with that because, you know, these are keys, as you said, and we can use different keys to open different gates, but ultimately everything is one anyway. And even with Khonsha, uh, the Shonen uh, symbol, I feel like 
even if I just do a simple visualization that this person that I want to give healing to is standing in front of totally. me and I really can feel it and and sense this person, you know, in front of me and I'm just going to place my hands on yes. this person, it's still going to work. Mm. Like the healing is still going to work because ultimately I feel yeah. like it's all about our intention and I feel like it's just important to remember that before any healing, we set an intention for the highest good and health of me and this person. And then yes. once the intention is directed in this way, um, there is no way that something bad is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Because our intention is already directing I the energy for the highest good. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think that just comes back to this new era that we're in. Um, some of the traditions of healing it ends up being like very time consuming and you feel like it's very ritualistic. Like I have to have everything in place in order for this to be right. And I feel like in this new era that we're in, we're understanding that there are fast tracks through our intention, through, through our intention to, to be a loving presence um, that allows us to do the same sort of healing, but in a less, um, ritualistic and less um, time-consuming way and which actually allows us to like help more people collectively and on a much faster timeline mm -hmm. by kind of not having to be so stuck on like is this right is this traditional is this the right ritual Mm -hmm. yes absolutely and you know I believe that you can make everything a ritual really like if you want to you can just you know stop and breathe and set an intention and just be pure in your intention really and just loving right and then uh, the intention is there and you can even do like a tiny ritual but doesn't have to be like straight from the book you know you do this 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 and this and especially that we exactly. are new souls we are new souls. We can come up mm -hmm. with new ways of doing things, right? So, and probably our kids and yes. kids of our kids are going to come up with even more effective healing modalities because their souls is going to be, you know, straight from the source or somewhere from the other planet. And then they're going to bring this whole new I other uh, healing modalities, I believe. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it's a state of it's a state of remembrance really unlocking things that are already innate within us and I think it's interesting because like when you study Reiki some of the more traditional perspectives is that in the past like only some people had access to the symbols they were not public they were hidden secrets and I think in this new age where we're realizing that it doesn't have to be so secretive or that only a certain group of people have access to these things I think that's really important it's like mm -hmm. demystifying um, all of this and allowing everyone to feel like they're they're equal in this in the oneness consciousness and our ability to all be Reiki healers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I believe we all are really mm -hmm. uh, just people they know are. it or don't. <laughs> That's the only difference. Either someone knows it or or they don't, but everyone is a healer. <laughs> but you mentioned Absolutely. this. Okay, you Absolutely. mentioned this. You mentioned this energy modality that I absolutely don't know how to pronounce. Zekhem Krem, <laughs> the Egyptian one. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I've never heard of it before. And I love Egypt. I'm like obsessed yeah. with Egypt. I freaking love uh, all the symbols and I would love to go there one day. And I'm just like, I don't know, maybe I have some past lives or whatever in Egypt, but I just love it. So I'm super curious and I've never heard of it before. So please tell us. Yeah, so it's not many people have heard of Sekhem Krem. Um, it was founded or channeled by a woman named Helen Bello, um, this specific lineage, and she's from Australia. And it happens to be that 
myself and my teacher, Jacqueline Calhurst, who's in Los Angeles, and then only a few other people that she's attuned to Sikkim Krem in the United States carry this specific lineage. Most people are in Australia or in Hong Kong. So it is definitely a, a less known uh, modality. But the reason why I came to this modality in the first place is because just like you, um, from a very young age, I felt really connected to Egypt. Like when I was in the sixth grade, I randomly told my parents that I wanted to study Arabic in Egypt and that I wanted to study abroad. They thought that this was the craziest, most ludicrous thing. My grandma was not happy with it. She was like, crazy, <laughs> like, do not allow okay. her to go there. Let's face and, it. Grandmas so are I, never happy with that. <laughs> no, no, no. They just want to keep you safe. Yes, yes Absolutely. So I applied um, for this program that would allow um, someone at my age, I think it was like middle school, to study abroad in Egypt and study Arabic. And I actually got um, accepted into the program. But at that time, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a lot of unrest in Egypt. So it literally wasn't safe for people to go. Like they weren't allowing more students to come. So I never ended up getting to do that. And then at the beginning, the precipice of my like awakening or remembrance journey, um, I saw a shamanic healer and we did um, an Akashic Records reading. And she said, okay, what's your connection with Egypt? There's something there. And then that helped me remember, oh my God, I've had this thing with Egypt since I was super young. And she, she started sharing with me um, about things of my past that were connected to Egypt and like galactic energies. I don't even know if I want to go into all of that, but she basically said um, that whenever you go to Egypt, a lot will be unlocked for you. You don't have to go seeking the trip. It'll find you very naturally. But in the meantime, look into Egyptian energy healing. There's something there for you. And so that's what led me to search for Egyptian energy healing on Google. <laughs> and then I found my teacher, Jacqueline, the first of Chem Krem. And basically, like I said, it's we're still calling upon source energy, just like Reiki, but it's just through a new filter in the prism. And so this energy specifically comes from Sirius, um, the planet Sirius, the star Sirius. And they say that this energy comes filtered through Sirius, pings to Lemuria, and then comes to Earth. So it holds all of these very galactic energies. And I would say that um, Sekhmet, the Egyptian goddess, many people can sort of equate her similar to like Kali energy. It's the same sort of um, destroyer and giver of life energy. And so with the Chem Krem, when I got attuned to that, Jacqueline, my teacher said, don't be surprised if things start to fall apart in your life because it's the destroyer energy. But remember that whatever gets destroyed is creating space for something that's way more aligned for you. And when she said that within the same week, I got fired from my job as a flight attendant at the time. And it was like, okay, the destruction is happening. It's happening. And so <laughs> I would say that when we work with the chem creme, it is this very, um, this very passionate sort of energy that actually really encompasses both the shadow and the light, like the destruction and then the rebirth. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's a powerful energy. 
Oh my yeah. God. I am so curious about this because literally <laughs> I've been connecting to Lemuria. I bought myself the cards uh, Beyond Lemuria and the Oracle cards. And I just feel like so aligned with Lemuria <gasps> somehow and with Egypt. And you're saying all that. I'm like, oh my freaking God, maybe I should go and get it into that as well, you know? And I'm planning to go to Australia next year, early next year. So maybe, maybe I'm going to do it, you know, because it feels so aligned uh, for me. Incredible. I have a lot of friends in Australia because my ex-partner and best friend uh, is from there uh, so I'm definitely going to visit him and my other uh, close people That's there amazing. so yeah I would love to do this because it just feels so so crazy aligned for me so yeah, yeah. I hope I really hope but so you plus, already do the Reiki you're plus you know what's funny mm -hmm. I have my Egyptian oracle cards in Australia And for the last two years, I wasn't able to get them because I left them there with the intention of coming back and then COVID hit and then we never did. And for the last two years, I'm like, oh my God, my Oracle, my Isis uh, Oracle cards, like I want it, you know, I want my Egyptian cards and they are just That chilling in amazing. Australia waiting for me. So it's pretty interesting how synchronistic it all seems. The fact <laughs> that Australia and Egypt are connecting themselves through us right now is so interesting. And when you do go, I would love to put you in contact with one of the practitioners in Australia so you can experience it. It sounds like this is so amazing. meant to be. That's amazing. That's But I, when I received amazing. the attunement, it was so cool. I was like through like my my um, mind's eye, like when I received the attunement and like the attunement process is really interesting. You're, she was like doing circles around me, like creating this really like interesting vortex. And I was literally like inside a pyramid and there were all of these like cats like walking around protecting the space and there was all these like interesting light codes that were running down it was very interesting carolina yeah i'm so excited for you to experience it <laughs> i really want to because i'm so curious about all these healing modalities and all these ways of how we can help ourselves and others that's why we are also doing this podcast right because we want to know more exactly. and so yeah this is a very unique modality so i'm super mm -hmm. super happy to get inspired by you with this one and uh, so co yeah. let's come back to this topic of combining the the destruction and creation and the, the shadow mm -hmm. and the light because i feel like this is is so important and I'm super curious for you to who you who is a Reiki healer and this uh, Sekhem Krem <laughs> healer as well and mm -hmm. how do you feel like it is let's say combining in terms of I've done only energy healing for the first few years of my spiritual journey and then I encountered I encountered Teal Swan and the completion process and shadow work and trauma work in our child healing, right? And I found that for mm -hmm. me personally, sometimes it felt like going straight to the shadows and resolving the trauma and letting this energy out of, out of your body is almost like faster uh, in terms of healing than doing it through Reiki. And I feel like it's just, I don't know, mm -hmm. to me it seems more effective because it's just faster. Although sometimes people are not ready for yeah. it as well. So it might not serve them the most to use it because it's so hardcore, right? So it might, it might be sometimes easier mm. for someone to just use Reiki to move this energy through. But I found that, you know, I yeah. could potentially get the same result from a few Reiki sessions as I would get with one solid shadow work completion process session, for example. So I'm curious about your perspective. What do you mm. think about it? I could not agree more with you, Carolina. I love that we're talking about this. Thank you for sharing your perspective. I agree because sometimes like receiving a really cool um, 
super cosmic Reiki session where you can feel the energy passing through, you can see all the colors, the lights, all of these things, it can almost be compared to like entering like a mushroom ceremony for the day. You know, like you know that a lot is happening. And yet I feel like with Reiki, if you're not consciously integrating the session in a sustained way throughout your life, you can go back to where you were. Like it's, it's like basically doing like plant medicine, but without actually integrating it. So I feel mm -hmm. like when we talk about like the shadow work, the shadow integration, the parts work, the completion process, all the subconscious reprogramming, all of these things really give the person your power back in a way where it's like you no longer need to necessarily go to a Reiki healer and they're moving all of the energy for you, which is incredible. And sometimes that's exactly what we need at the time. But then whenever we go into the shadow integration, it really allows you to reclaim your power back and know that at any point you could be laying on the couch, laying in your bed, and you could do an energy work session on yourself by just having like an inner dialogue with your shadow or like a different part of you that needs to come forward. So I completely agree. It's just, we're all getting to the same place, but in different ways. And I would say that for my own journey personally, it's the shadow work, it's the shadow integration that has actually created really long lasting effects on my life. And it's something that I can actually call upon moment by moment when, when I have a trigger or when I find myself in a pattern. That's what I can come back to. And you get to resource that within yourself rather than being like, okay, well, I need to go schedule a Reiki session this weekend, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Although I feel like you also can do Reiki on yourself and that can help a lot. And I feel like yeah, it's just... It's it's just a combination of these methods depending on what's the most needed yeah. in the moment that you can use, I think. Because yeah. sometimes we are not ready to step straight into the childhood trauma. There are situations in life where actually the gentle Reiki energy passing in you mm -hmm. and through you is actually a better way to maybe calm yourself down or ground mm -hmm. yourself or whatever else you need in the moment. Because, yeah. you know, not every moment is good for inner child healing, right? <laughs> so I think knowing I, all I these modalities agree. can help us just integrate them all. Yeah, it's about like being able to call upon like a different tool in your toolbox for what the moment calls for. And I would say just to bring it back to how incredible Reiki is as well, like the miracles that I've witnessed, it helped people on a physical level. Like when people are dealing with something physiological, that's a different story. Like, of course, it's everything, everything physical has energetic roots. So the shadow work is, of course, an important piece of that. But just the miracles that I've witnessed, like, for example, this is a, a fun story about like Reiki helping someone like physically. Um, one of my clients, I was seeing him pretty consistently, but when I first met him, he had chronic twitching in his eyes, um, chronic twitching, like the bags under his eyes would always be twitching. And so he was seeing um, an eye specialist and they were giving him Botox injections under his eyes to stop the spasms. And it was only working, it would, the twitches would subside a little bit, but when he came to me for Reiki, after two Reiki sessions, the twitches completely subsided for good. And the way that that happened was really interesting because when he entered the Reiki session with me, he saw a spider actually come into his eye and start to remove and pull all of this darkness, like dark smoke from his eyes. And then by the end, it was like gone and it still is to this day, which is incredible. So it just goes to show like 
how amazing like this energy is and the different ways that it takes form for the individual and exactly what they need. That sounds freaking awesome. That's amazing. And this is what happens when you have an intention for the highest good and health of someone, right? Because there are beings that are, you know, other dimensions that can show up for us and really help us heal whatever is needed. If we just can call for help with that good intention, then it's like, yeah, it's such a great story. I freaking love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I want to also ask you about the integration part of the uh, shadow work right because like as you said if you don't integrate sometimes you might not get as much out of the experience uh, as if you would for example if you uh, integrate it and the comparison with plant medicine i feel like is perfect because i've had even people on the podcast talking about yeah i've had this mushroom or ayahuasca experience but then no one has told me anything about it so it was just an experience there was no mm, I don't know, movement or no, nothing moving forward after that. It was just an experience, right? Just left behind in your past. Because if you don't know how to integrate, bring it into your life, then it can be just gone. And it happens. I also run ceremonies for people and on different medicines, depending on what's required. And I know how it feels that, okay, you experience this high or you experience this trauma, whatever we're talking about. And then you need to learn how to bring this learning into your life, right? What have you got out of the experience? How can you integrate it now? And after plant medicine, it's like, how can you feel like on plant medicine in everyday life? What can you do now to be there on the high but to actually be in your human form and living a normal life. Like, how can you get there? So it's just a way shower in a way. Um, but yeah, I would, I would like to talk about this integration when it comes to our shadows, uh, because I feel like it's just really important. So what do you do to help your clients or yourself uh, facilitate this kind of integration? Absolutely. So I think it comes to understanding just like the subtle differences of course, not really a difference, but just a combination of these two different ideas, the shadow work and the shadow integration. So with shadow work, there's many different ways that we can access that. And more and more people are accessing that every day, myself included. Like this isn't something I've been doing for years and years. It is all something new for me and that I'm integrating myself. Um, but with the shadow work, for example, it's like, okay, um, shadow work could be like looking at your golden shadow. An exercise that you could do with, with shadow work is listing three people that you really put on a pedestal or that you really love and value that you would want to be. And then realizing that the qualities that you see in them is actually what's dormant within yourself that you actually have and that um, is really natural to you because what you recognize in others is what's in you. So that's mm -hmm. like a really light form of like shadow work by being able to recognize like what's my golden shadow mm -hmm. and then for me it would be teal swan like my <laughs> teal swan yes i love <laughs> teal swan so much so much she's such an incredible teacher um yes so another way that people access shadow work too is like through journaling um and even through like mindfulness meditation, like if you allow yourself to meditate long enough, you're going to enter your unconscious. Things are going to come forward that you might not have able to access without being in that state of consciousness. And so your shadow aspects might come up. And so it's one thing to be an observer of the shadow. That's a part of the work. Okay, you're like, okay, these things are coming up. Now I can be present. I can observe them. 
I can see that this is not really who I am as the spirit living in an embodied experience, but this is just this thought that's coming up. These are these things that in some, in some way like are elusive. And I would say that it's one thing to be able to be an observer of the shadow and to not necessarily feel like, okay, I'm connected to this thing. I can just be a witness to it. And it's another thing to actually learn how to integrate what comes up and flip it on its axis. To be able to resource the shadow is actually one of your most powerful aspects that you can flip on its head. So I would say that's how I do this in my own life is taking the things that I find in shadow work and then actually integrating it and calling upon it as an inner resource. So to give an example of that, okay, it's like based off of my upbringing and my childhood, the dynamics that I was in in my family, I was always told that everything I did was wrong. Like I could never get anything right and coming from like an Asian American background, like, yeah, we know that like with Asian moms, my mom is amazing. I'm actually with her in Hawaii as we speak, um, but she has a lot of high standards for me. And she always has, like, I would get in trouble if I got a B in school. In fact, one time I even photoshopped my report card on this like app, like back on like this old program called GIMP, just to avoid her knowing that I got a B. And she actually believed me. And it was on this like crappy piece of paper. I don't know how she believed me, but that's the length that I went to, to avoid getting it wrong and getting punished. And so one of the shadows, having that background created this um, pattern in my life. What does being punished equate to? It equals, you needing to be a people pleaser in your life, needing to always get it right, having hyper perfectionism. And so that's something that I've dealt with because I had this innate subconscious idea that I will get something wrong. I'm wrong. I need to be right. Or what I'm, who I am is not enough, essentially. And so being able to observe that is one thing, being like, oh, like I see why. Um, I show up in these ways. I see why I suppress my voice because I'm afraid that I'm going to get it wrong. I see why I can't sing in front of people because I'm really scared not to be like a good singer. And then the integration of that is being like, okay, how can I take this aspect of myself and actually allow it to be one of my most powerful resources? So the way that I flip that is that in every moment that I am scared of something or that I'm scared of walking into a situation. It could even be like this podcast, right? Like at the beginning of this podcast, I could think, oh, what if I, I don't do it right? What if I say something wrong? What if it's not good enough? All of these things. And coming back to the inner understanding that there is no like right or wrong, having so much compassion for this part of myself that is so deeply afraid of getting it wrong, having a dialogue with her, understanding what she needs and what she really needs is um, to, to know that no matter what, like I've got her back and that I could never punish her or let her know that she's done something wrong and that she's completely allowed to just be in her authenticity because when she's authentic, there is no right or wrong. You know, so I would say that's one way of like taking something that you observe in your shadow, like these are my experiences that have created this fear within myself. And then how can I actually use it um, to my advantage in every scenario, 
by just coming back to actually, this is like a powerful opportunity to show my inner child that I'm not going to repeat this pattern with her. I'm not going to show her that she's doing anything wrong. And I'm just going to allow her to be exactly as she is and really celebrate her in every, every time that she um, walks through a door that she's scared of and does it anyway. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you so, so much yeah. for sharing this story. It really helps people to understand uh, the difference, I guess. And I'm curious to know, mm -hmm. do you know the typology of personality called Enneagram? I do. I do. And I what's your type? Because it seems, it seems like it's a perfectionist and giver combined it, from what you're saying. Because like <laughs> giver is a people pleaser and perfectionist is the one that always needs to be right. So it seems like one wing yes. two or two wing one, but rather one wing two, uh, which is like a perfectionist with the wing of a giver. And I'm, I would be really curious to know your yes. type because as you're talking about this shadow work versus integration, I feel like my biggest shadow work itself um, when I started my spiritual development journey, thanks to the friend who introduced me to spirituality, he was very big on Enneagram as a, something to really show you your shadows in a way. I mean, he didn't frame it at that time in this way, but now I really know that this is what it was, where you really look at your type and then you... Um, and also just disclaimer here, I want to tell to anyone who wants to do the Enneagram te test online, there is one on eclecticenergies.com. I think this one is quite good. But the disclaimer is to lo really look at your teenage years when you do the test, because when you're an adult, you already shift things in your perspective and you shift things in your mindset, right? In your behavior. And what happens is like we are programmed until the age of maybe seven to 10. And then we play out the program as a teenager, right? And then we can shift something when we are adult it's like oh maybe i will change this behavior or that behavior i we don't really fully resonate with all our behavior so then we shift but the core of our personality is going to be the same so in order to do the test really well we need to look at our teenagers and also our whole life not only the situation in the moment so just a little disclaimer for anyone who's going to be curious about it and interested to check it out but for me it was like okay i know that my type is six wing seven loyalist wing enthusiast and so of course i have also a little bit of a five because how it works is that one type has a neighboring personalities uh, so-called wings so we have both of the wings but one we have more of the than the other and I was just typing like Enneagram number six areas of development or Enneagram number six limiting beliefs or Enneagram number six whatever else and it actually gave me so much just knowledge you know of my of myself and of course not everything resonated maybe like 70% would resonate or 80% or 60 depending on which website I would check and what source of information I would uh, check out but really for me it was one of the most awakening uh, tools you know for myself to see oh my god because it's so spot on like I literally call Enneagram a manual for humans <laughs> because if you know the types and if you really dive deep into this wisdom you really can see so much and you can really relate to people so much better and you know I want to just mention because some people are like yeah but aren't you like putting people's in people in boxes and manipulating people or whatever it's like no thanks to knowing their type I can actually relate better I can understand better I can be more compassionate of course some people can use it wrong but it's the same with money it's the same with a knife right it, it's a tool so you can use it you know for your for the highest good of all or not but really it's such a powerful tool and so you know it's pretty interesting because you only said two things like 
mm, being right that is important and being people pleaser for me it's just like okay that should be a, a perfectionist wing giver or giver wing perfectionist like straight up it's so <laughs> clear you know because it's a it's a really really yeah. beautiful tool so if someone who listens mm. hasn't dived into it yet because i mentioned it a few times but not as deeply please check it out because to me Literally, it's mm. been such a helpful tool to know, for example, okay, my dad is an eight, so this is how he responds. So he maybe feels like emotions are weakness. So maybe he's not going to be that uh, emotionally expressed. And my mom is a giver, so she needs more hugs. She needs more emotional expression. So I can also give mm. to people what exactly what they need, right? Or someone is an artist or an observer, mm -hmm. they need a lot of personal space. So I might not take it personally if they just like want to go home and not spend time with me anymore or whatever else, right? There is a lot of things that you can know. Right. Uh, but yeah, I was just curious if you know about your type and if you have, you know, the, digged into it, dug into it. Shit, I, I don't know how to say I've it correctly in English. Briefly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've only briefly um, done the Enneagram and I could not even tell you what I am, but this does activate the fact that I want to get into it. So maybe you can even send me the, the source that you like to use. But I think Enneagram, like the same sort of, like work that we do with like human design, gene keys, um, zodiac signs, like they're just representing like archetypal energy, yes. which I think is so important because like the more that we understand the blueprint or the coding that we came into this world with, the less that we're um, trying to like be anything else. Like I feel like the more that we hone in on our natural authentic archetypes, the more that we can actually call upon these powerful aspects of them and not necessarily feel like we need to change anything about ourselves, but really focus in on what's innate to us and what's natural. Um, and then also accounting for free will. So it's like with this awareness, with this knowledge that this is the way that I am when I came into this incarnation because of XYZ, also coming back to the sovereignty and the free will choice of being like, well, is this something that I want to continue on or is this something that I want to work with and flip on its axes and like sort mm -hmm. of rewrite or rescript if that's what I want to do? Yes, mm -hmm. I agree with that. Although I feel like jinkies and human design and astrology are one category mm -hmm. that I see because this is more okay. in my view, at least this is only my personal perspective. It's more sure. kind of like... Mm, I don't know how to say, but describing our essence and our potentials mm. and our uh, innate nature in a way. Whereas Enneagram, yeah. I feel like it's more describing our programming. Uh, and therefore, okay. if I look at Enneagram, it's like, okay, this is my program. So how do I want to reprogram it? And who do I want to be? And how do I want to act? And it's, you can also see all these types and you can be like, okay, what do I want to get out of each type? Because I can see all these things that people mm. do. And so maybe I could be as... Uh, you know, having as much attention to, de to detail as a perfectionist, but also be so yeah. open and loving and unconditionally giving as a giver, but also mm. a very um, high, aiming high as an achiever or, you know, being very attuned to other people's emotions and uh, artistic, mm. like an artist. So whatever else you can really get uh, from all these personalities, but I really see it as yeah. something that, like, literally it's our personality, it's our programming. So this is the tool to look at and be like, okay, this I don't like, this program I don't like, this program I don't like. Okay, what should I do now to flip mm. it, right? Because I feel like, for yes. example, with human design, it's like it's, it's as if you are, okay, this is where I'm like generating energy, this is where I'm like taking energy, mm. and it's more like your 
nature in a way I feel yeah. whereas in yeah, with Enneagram it it's literally like how your ego is created so you can mm. shift it <laughs> and it's actually there for you to shift it I believe to go from like mm. unhealthy so-called uh, ego right or unhealthy Enneagram mm. type to more and more healthy version or ultimately no ego maybe at some point in our life or maybe in the next uh, 500 <laughs> lifetimes who knows <laughs> yeah mm, that's so cool yeah, I would love to touch more into my own personal Enneagram now that we're having this conversation. That sounds remarkable. I really mm -hmm. hope that I will inspire you guys to do this because for me it was a game changer. And literally right now with mm. all my friends and some family members who are open to it, like anytime, you know, we make all these jokes about all these different types, it's actually such a cool way of connecting as well. And like, it's, it's just so funny when you can, oh yeah, he's an eight, just, you know, leave him there <laughs> or whatever. Like just, it's just so funny. You can really, really make fun with it. And I love fun and I love joy. So for me, it's just uh, mm. perfect. But I would love totally. to touch upon one more topic uh, before we close because we almost need to finish but I am super curious about the spiral uh, at least briefly please tell us about yeah. the spiral as a modality because I've not talked to any spiral practitioner yet uh, on this podcast so I would love to know beautiful yeah I would love to talk to spiral so spiral is something that I went through um, myself just as a receiver and it was probably one of the most powerful tools that I've come across in my own personal development or transformational journey. Um, and then now I became a practitioner of Spiral. So I take my clients through the seven stage um, journey. And the Spiral was created by a man named Dane Thomas. And basically it was the alchemy of taking the best parts of Spiral Dynamics, um, David Hawkins Scale of Consciousness, the chakra system, NLP, and then muscle testing from kinesiology. And basically with this alchemy of all these different tools, essentially it's a very fast track way to release emotional baggage that one has been holding onto and preventing, that's been preventing them from living to like their highest potential. So basically it works in seven stages and it's going up the chakra system. So root chakra is deserving how we relate to what we deserve in this life, what we believe we deserve in this life. Um, second chakra, uh, sacral is creativity. Um, third, solar plexus is power. Uh, fourth, heart chakra is openness. Fifth, throat chakra is expression. And then sixth, third eye is vision. And then the crown chakra is purpose. So within all these different stages, me as the practitioner with the client's permission, I'm creating this unified field with you on a quantum level. And I'm using muscle tests to muscle test on your behalf. And with the spiral, we work off of this um, chart of emotions and each of them are connected to different meridians in Chinese medicine, um, meridians, organs, and then also different elements. So fire, earth, wood, water, um, uh, metal. And basically by being able to acutely um, muscle test for a specific emotion that's tied to this meridian, that's in this organ, that's connected to this element, that activates um, the client's um, connection to it on a subconscious level. And they're starting to regress um, what that emotion exactly is. So for example, like if we're in deserving level of the, of the spiral, which is the root chakra, 
we look at three main emotions that make up somebody's um, reality around deservingness, and that's shame, guilt, and dogma. So within shame, guilt, and dogma, I'm muscle testing within these different emotions to find the roots, the anchors, the subconscious installments from their life that have created a certain pattern of how shame, guilt, and dogma shows up for them. So an example of this is, okay, um, we're muscle testing for the root chakra and we're muscle testing for the story around shame. And then I find, okay, at age six, um, the emotion is shock. And then the person starts to remember, okay, at age six, oh yeah, that thing happened where I was really scared. I was in a state of shock, but then my parents reprimanded me for it. They told me to be quiet or that it wasn't a big deal. And somehow I wasn't able to fully feel that feeling of shock. And so it became lodged in my subconscious because it wasn't able to be fully processed. And now it equates to shame. So whenever I feel shock, shock now equals shame because of my circumstances of what happened. So basically the spiral finds all of these like root anchors of emotion that have been, um, yeah, unprocessed, unintegrated. And then we finally get to actually feel our feelings and, and release them. Um, and I think it really goes back to the importance of intention. So it's like when we start a spiral session at each level, we know exactly what the highest expression, highest expression of deservingness would look like. We talk about how we want to relate to deserving. We want to talk about what we feel like we're deserving of. We talk about what we actually want to create in this life. And so that everything that we find on the subconscious level is anything that stands away stands in the way from that intention. It's so specific. So we know exactly here are the, the minute details of why that hasn't manifested in your life because these are the things that have been um, holding you back or slowing you down on a subconscious level. Mm -hmm. Wow, that sounds amazing. And actually yeah. combines many different things like uh, that I already know of, like chakras, and I also do muscle testing. Yeah. And it seems quite similar to the uh, Bradley, Dr. Bradley Nelson, um, the emotion code. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that, but there is it also is the emotional emotion chart. Code. And so that's like a muscle testing and everything. Yeah. So do I understand it correctly that through the muscle testing, if you're discovering like when something happened and what happened, then it allows the person's uh, the client's subconscious mind to just bring up the memory and do you do you uh, sometimes have uh, like someone who cannot access the memory and is it working then anyway because it's a subconscious level or how does it work mm, really good point carolina i'm glad that you brought that up because it's not always about the story it's not always about the memory although if I'm speaking personally, for me, for whatever reason, I get a lot out of reclaiming these memories. So for me, like when I went through the spiral, much of the, the magic of it was that I regressed so many things that I had forgotten about. So many like things that were happening on a subconscious level that I had forgotten about. But oftentimes, it can come with a memory and sometimes it doesn't. And so that's when we go into the somatic experience of it and the sensation of it. So even though you don't know exactly why, you can't say that at five this happened, but the fact that I muscle tested on your behalf, on your subconscious means that it's there. It's an energy, it's an emotion that's there. You might not know why, but let's go into where that is in your body, you know, what that feels like, what it looks like. 
And then um, that's when we can start to have like a dialogue with that emotion, with that part of you. So yeah, you don't necessarily need to have the, the necessary memory of it, but having the sensation is equally as important. And we mm -hmm. work with that on a somatic level. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's like, okay, you felt uh, anger at the age of five, and then the person is like feeling this anger and they don't have, they don't need to know the memory, but they are actually feeling into this angry feeling. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. So through exactly. you, through muscle testing exactly. and communication with subconscious, you're like, okay, let's bring out anger right now at the age of five. And it, like, because mm -hmm. I also believe that the story is not fully necessary. Like it can, it can help us our conscious mind really it can help our conscious mind understand okay yes. this happened and so then we can maybe easier let it go but i feel like the most important key right. in this kind of work is emotional release right to express mm -hmm. all this stuck energy that was suppressed to just let it out so i truly believe that this is exactly. uh, the magic this is the alchemy right this is the alchemy in the process so yeah this is sounds amazing Absolutely. this method uh, that you're using sounds like a combination of all the methods that i uh, do so i feel like it's <laughs> it's it's working for sure <laughs> It is. And I noticed that the most powerful part of it is retroactively reviewing what has come up so that you can see the patterns. You know, all mm -hmm. of it basically allows you to see like all of these different ages, all of these emotions have created certain behaviors and certain um, beliefs. And then we see exactly why those beliefs are there, because sometimes we have beliefs and we have no idea why we even have them, you know? So by sort of like connecting the dots by looking in the past, we get to see exactly why that is. And so it's very helpful to the conscious mind to be able to release that because now we know why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Thank you so, yeah. so much, Tara. We didn't even get to uh, talk about your nickname, Tigress, but I'm sure that everyone who watches yeah. us on YouTube and on the video can feel what a, what a tigress you are, <laughs> can feel the tiger within. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, maybe we can leave it for another time and when we will be uh, able to chat. But thank you so, so much for being on our podcast because you brought a lot of beautiful wisdom uh, here and a lot of good mm -hmm. energy as well. So I'm super grateful uh, for you to share yourself with us. Oh, thank you so much, Carolina. It's such an honor to have this conversation with you. And it's so cool to just talk to somebody else, like a fellow soul who's like into the same things. Like I find that there's so <laughs> many connections between our journeys. It's amazing. Yes. <laughs> I'm honored. Yes, thank, you. thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to us, being with us, tuning in to our podcast. I'm super grateful. And if you'd like to find me, I am The Connection Catalyst on Instagram. So shoot me a message if you're curious about um, shadow work or anything like that. Um, it would be great to connect with you. And actually, uh, for Tara, if you'd like to connect with her, it's tara.tigress on Instagram. So Check her out and connect with her if you're curious about uh, any healing modality because she's using a lot of really cool stuff. So thank you so much again for listening to us and stay tuned to the next episode.